Ho, ho, hold on to your hats. It's the holiday episode of the Mount Rushmore podcast. My name is Jeff, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friends, Richard. Hello, ho, ho. And Michael. (laughs) Howdy. Howdy. Richard and Michael are putting their differences aside due to the holiday season. Fuck that. Oh, okay. No way. I'm wrong. Oh, I thought we were going to put our differences (laughs) aside. No. You're done. (laughs) They're amping up their feud, time for the holidays, when we all come into close quarters and drink alcohol, perhaps eggnog with rum. and um, just just rum. Just the rum. (laughs) Just rum. (laughs) And we we have the airing of the grievances. And um, this episode will be no different as we discuss the Mount Rushmore of holiday characters slash icons. This was one that I chose, and I guess it's because the holidays, and more particularly uh, thinking about Christmas in my brain, are rife with figures and characters that help us tell the story of the holiday season or help us celebrate um, the holiday season, not uh, to not include things like Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus and all these characters that are somewhat inventions that we center our entire holiday season around. Wait, wait, hold on. Yes, sir. Oh, sorry. Did you call Richard, Santa Claus? Richard didn't know. Some, what? Well, it's just if it's an invention doesn't mean it's not real. Okay. Crisis. Okay, Crisis okay. averted. Okay, good. Crisis averted. Woo! You had me worried there for a second, Jeff. Um, a good holiday story has good holiday characters, and that's the reason I picked this subject. So I would like to have you guys raise your hand high if you really believe in the spirit of Christmas. Okay, n- Richard... Richard, okay, Michael. It was very uh, tentative by okay. both of us. <laughs> okay, Richard raised his first. So, Richard, you go first. All right. So, my first one is in the category of Rankin and Bass. Oh, awesome. Which I really could have done the whole like episode on. Yeah. In fact, can we can we just start over and just do it may Rankin and Bass episodes characters? Uh no, Yukon Cornelius. Oh, cool. From Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer. Yeah. My favorite Rankin and Bass character of all time. Just barely ahead of Mr. Heatmiser. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Cornelius is a badass. Yeah, well, it's, let's 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 be honest here. He is a Holly- man a man of mystery. Hollywood's first bear, I think, to be shown. <laughs> no, you're thinking you're thinking of the Bumble. Oh, oh yes, okay, that's different. <laughs> but I mean, look at the man. He is a just a a a, a towering figure yeah. of all that is man. Yeah, just you know, giant beard. Mm-hmm. I just remember as a kid watching this, and just he he seems like such a blowhard. Yeah, but then it turns out why he's is he dressed actually... like a millennial? Yeah, he looks like <laughs> he does look he a little is, bit like, like iron and wine, <laughs> all mixed together yeah. into one. Yeah, you, you you spend the first half of the show thinking he is basically a giant blowhard, right? Yeah. Then it turns out no, he's right. Bumbles are real, mm-hmm. and they bounce, and all these things he's talking about are actually true. Yeah. Um, one thing that I did in doing a little bit of research on this. So there's the scene where he throws the axe into the snow and picks it up and starts licking it, like some sort of weird proto Yasiel Puig, like licking his mm, his axe uh-huh. sort of thing. And they go, oh. <laughs> and as a kid, I always thought, you can find gold by licking ice yeah. and snow? Huh, that's hmm. weird. Turns out that the version that we're used to now is not the full-length version that originally aired. You know, because of longer commercials, they've had to cut some of the some of the scenes out. And one of the scenes they cut out explained that Yukon Cornelius is actually looking for a peppermint mine. Oh, 
and that one of the scenes he actually finds a peppermint mine and starts like, I've been looking for this all my life. I'm going <laughs> to ah. be rich. It's a peppermint mine. Mm-hmm. Which is weird. Yeah. That whole show is weird. Let's, let, let, let's, let's be real about this. Mm-hmm. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, of all of the Rankin and Bass shows, even though a lot of the Rankin and Bass shows are really fucked up, mm-hmm. is the most fucked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the Island of Misfit Toys... I want to be a dentist. Yes. <laughs> There's so much weirdness going yeah. on. The Bumble. Uh, you know, the fact that Santa Claus basically lets reindeer be, uh, lets Rudolph be treated like absolute dog crap mm-hmm. for the majority of the episode because he's got some sort of medical condition. Yeah. And then at the end, has to rely on Rudolph to bail his ass out. Mm-hmm. Um, but Yukon Cornelius, for whatever reason for me, and this is just like a personal thing, I just... Remember as a kid, just thinking, that's the coolest guy. I want to be Yukon Cornelius. He just didn't give a shit. <laughs> he was out there, you know, fighting Bumbles and then taming Bumbles, becoming Bumbles' best friends. He was just a badass. He's the most badass Christmas character, I think, mm-hmm. ever. He does seem like an action figure in the world of Christmas. Oh, yeah. Yep. Sure. Yeah. So you need somebody to take on the Yeti? Mm-hmm. He's your guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if Luke Skywalker were trapped in an ice cave... Maybe he, instead of if he couldn't use the force to get his lightsaber, Yukon Cornelius could come in and, and save him. But. I think it's I think it's quite possible. Mm-hmm. All right, Michael, what's your first? Got to start off with good old Santa Claus. Oh, yeah, I mean, there we he's, go. You know, you said characters though, not. Uh oh, icons. Oh, okay, okay, good, good, we're good, we're okay. Yeah. Uh, good old Saint Nick, that fat man. Yeah. <laughs> Love this guy. I love this guy. Uh, I think that the image of Santa Claus just in general is so... um, It's gotten to a point where it is right up there with the most recognizable things in the world. Mickey Mouse, Santa Claus. Is there a third that is like... What else is... Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I'm fascinated by how when a character becomes so ubiquitous, you can have it be something else and you still get it like a... Um, you might see Elvis as mm-hmm. um, you know, scientist Elvis, or go check out the episode Mount Rushmore of fake Elvises. Fake Elvises, yeah, for Stormtrooper uh, Elvis. The Santa, you definitely kind of see him in all these different iterations. It, it seems like for a cell phone commercial, you'll see the cool hipster Santa, the mm. guy in the. I, I was reading. With... I was reading a little bit about. Um, there was like a, a theory for a long time, for that uh, Coca Cola created. Yeah, the modern version of Santa mm-hmm. and reading like a Snopes article. Basically, they're saying that they really didn't. They kind of just um, helped create ultimately the most uniform version mm-hmm. of Santa, oh, like okay. various versions of Santa Claus with the you know red jacket and red and white and the snow yeah. cap and everything. They're all basically there have been so many versions of it. They didn't oh, okay. they didn't really take they took from history, but they didn't really create anything new. Uh-huh. They didn't create this image of him, but just that um, I guess they started they started trying to figure out how they could sell soda yeah. in the winter. Yeah. Oh, okay. So they're like, well, because sales started to slip, so they had like this um, uh, this campaign called The Pause That Refreshes, mm-hmm. and it was an image of like Santa Claus basically yeah. getting a Coke, yeah. and it kind of super helped their business, mm-hmm. and he's been like a mainstay on their you know, personal advertising for, you know, for yeah. forever, for the past hundred years, mm-hmm. it seems. Um, but I think what Santa Claus, he can't, like you said, he can be anything. 
whether it's like he's like a hipster version of Santa Claus. Yeah. And I love when like nonsense conservatives get angry that Santa Claus is like black Santa. Yeah. When, yeah, yeah. when they're just like, this is not what Santa Claus. Oh, this this isn't what this fictitious, this fictitious yeah. elf from the North Pole is. Yeah. And you're protecting Jesus from this guy who's not, who yeah. has nothing to do with that thing. Yeah. Uh, I do like that, you know, Christmas and Jesus and all that has been intertwined, but Santa kind of still remains. Yeah. A, a little enough away that you're like okay mm-hmm. i he's his own yeah he's his own thing yeah if tim allen um the least appealing person in working in hollywood <laughs> can be in the santa rob claus, snyder would like to have a word <laughs> yeah, with you can be transformed into santa claus that means we all have a little bit of santa in us and he's very much an everyman do, kind of do uh do either of you uh have like a family tradition where you like play santa at christmas in terms of handing it, like at, at, yeah. like, at like a, at events, Jeff is smiling way too big right <laughs> Yeah, now. he really is. <laughs> we're, we're like, you know, like someone is giving out the gifts to the rest of the family. Yeah. Uh, usually in my family, it starts with one of the kids. Oh, okay. Like, oh, you know, uh, God, I got to think of one of my goddamn yeah, nieces' the, names. Their role is to pass them out and yeah. embody what you, the What role. usually happens is Violet starts, she passes them out, and then like, 15 minutes into it or 10 minutes into it she just gives herself a gift and then yeah. the next gift goes to her as well yeah. <laughs> and then by that time it's me and my cousin olivia just like okay we gotta we gotta take over this <laughs> this is not efficient enough and we got dinner to get to yeah let's go let's go let's go wrap what is it, it, wrap so it up, big I, boy. I do find it fascinating to think of the iterations there's father christmas and Père noel and yeah it all kind of came Kringle out from or, like uh, saint nicholas and yeah you know kind of a german tradition of this and then the Clement Moore, the visit from St. Nicholas, isn't he a jolly old elf? He, he yeah, slides, he's, somehow he slides supposed, down your chimney. Yeah, it's yeah. supposed to be like based on an elf. And then there's, I don't know if you guys have ever heard the David Sedaris story, the uh, six to eight black men. No. <laughs> where he's talking to somebody in, in Holland about their holiday tradition. Mm-hmm. According to the story, they actually celebrate something on December like 8th or something like that. That's uh, St. Nicholas Day. Mm-hmm. And St. Nicholas being the Bishop of Turkey. Oh. And according to the story, St. Nicholas will show up. Nicholas Dog. Yeah. St. Nicholas Day. <laughs> he will he will show up um, at your house, and if you're a good boy, he will leave candies in your shoes. Oh, yeah. If you're not a good boy, uh, he will, him and six to eight black men who are his, their versions of slave, of, uh, of uh, elves, yeah. who up until the 50s were actually portrayed as slaves, mm. but then they realized, mm, maybe, maybe that's not so hot, um, would show up. And if you're naughty, they would beat you with a, a swatch from a... Uh, yeah from a tree and pretend to kick you. And if you're really bad, they would take you, put you in a sack yeah. and take you back to Spain oh, wow. where he lives now. So yeah. So Merry Christmas to everybody. <laughs> As he says, and he says in the story, it's something like a, a mom. Do you imagine a mom telling a kid now be here? need to get good night's sleep. Cause the Bishop of Turkey is going to be showing up <laughs> with six to eight black men. And he may leave candy in your shoe. Or he, he may beat you with a tree swatch <laughs> or pretend to kick you or take you in a sack to Spain. We really can't be sure, but you should really the winter, be ready for anything. The winter really separates everyone. <laughs> it, re- it really uh, shows your mettle and your merit Yeah, you know, when, by when, the time December rolls around. Yeah, I, I think of nothing harsher than, than Holland. <laughs> Richard, your second is what? My second is the elf on the shelf. Oh, wow. We haven't gotten to this yet with our... With our child, who's never do, please n- don't. Who's will please by the don't. time by the time this comes out, he'll be just on the edge of seven months old. But uh, I prepare. I'm prepared for it to be in my future. 
<laughs> as I, I think I'm assume it's in your future or it's in your present. No, no, Dunham. oh no, without I foot down, no, not happening. Really? No, it's awful. It's evil. Why? Look at the thing. Look at the guy. Well, you Have don't you like seen Elf. enough on the shelf? <laughs> yeah. Have yeah. you seen the Elf on the shelf? Yeah. He's horrific looking. He looks like these novel, these elves that I've seen as like Christmas decorations for decades. Um, a good friend of Sarah's had one of those, and she would put it up every Christmas, and like it would just scare the shit out yeah. of everyone who came over. Because yeah, elves look... are kind of scary if you think about it. Yeah, they're mischievous sprites in some cases, not necessarily helpful, friendly little dudes. And he, doesn't, he doesn't look that bad. Yeah, he doesn't look that good. But it's <laughs> this is like Big Brother come to life. Is it? I mean, Santa is kind of Big Brothery anyway. Yeah, it's you know, fat brother at least. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. B plus. Do you not like new traditions, newly minted traditions, especially those that are? I don't like the ones commerce. that are commercially. Well, every that every damn thing about Christmas that we celebrate is commercial. It's yeah, entirely but, commercial. But I, I guess this one is. I don't like the idea that. Well, first off, there's something a little creepy about the fact that Santa knows when you're sleeping and when you're awake. Yes, that's you're you're spying on little kids, dude. Mm-hmm. It's a little weird. Yeah, that's where you get, it feels like a Grimm's fairy tales, unpolished for Disney's uh, version of it. Yeah, yeah. And now he's sending these little elves to sit on your shelf and like Mm -hmm. literally be like his cameras. Stalking is what it's called. It's what it's called. It's not stalking stuffers. It's stalking. Stalking (laughs) stuffers. I, listen, I applaud Santa Claus for trying to be more efficient in his uh, fact gathering. What he wants, you know, whether to know you're naughty or nice or, Uh uh, you know, it's a busy time for that guy. Yeah. You know, and if he's got a, if, you know, he's basically sending out drones. Yeah. And if he's got to, if he's got to get his information any look, way he can. Look, it's, it's the 21st century. Yeah. Santa has a our nap. phone lines He's got tapped. a nap for that. He's mm-hmm. got our phone lines tapped. He, he, he can, he can bug our, 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 he can bug our computer lines. He knows where our kids are, are, are surfing. Yeah. Did you ever have a parent, my parents would pick up the phone and call Santa? Like a, if we were, they threatened that a couple yeah, of times, yeah. and, I, and that's the thing. I remember that as a kid, and it was horrifying yeah. because when you're a kid, as exciting as Christmas is, it's also horrifying. Yeah, there is terror built into Christmas yeah. because was I good enough? Is Santa even going to come? What if the reindeers crash? What if my mom calls them? It's like if you're already a person who is somewhat uh, prone to anxiety and mm-hmm. stress, mm-hmm. like me, waving my hand up furiously. Yeah. And, and I was and I was like that as a kid. Don't add the extra like pressure of yeah. this literal shelf staring down at you like a <laughs> like a goblin yeah. for the entire month. Also, how about you're good all year, kid? How about not? How about you can't just save yourself with like thirty days of good behavior? Yeah, it does seem like conscribing a shift supervisor for to look at you as a kid and doing your role as a kid and make sure you're doing it the right way for a whole month. And that's I that I do hear you as a kid you get paid three times a year, birthday, Halloween and Christmas. And parents threatening the removal of that paycheck is the biggest fear that you have. Yeah, it's basically like your it's basically like your boss saying, Well, I got a nice you know, got a nice Christmas bonus for you unless Yeah this month you screw up. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to put a camera right behind your, your cubicle for the yeah. rest of the month. And I'm going to watch you. Yeah. If you screw up. You're not getting that Christmas bonus. Yeah. Christmas it, when love becomes conditional. It yes. De- it definitely reinforces the belief that Santa knows what you've been doing, mm-hmm. you know, and he's like, oh, here's my network of spies. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I think for me, <laughs> I think for me, I am intrigued by the aspect that you have to keep moving them around. Like, oh yeah, you don't. You're not supposed to. I guess keep them in on one shelf. Mm-hmm. Each right. day you change. Like, I I'm looking forward in part to that aspect of like, oh, how can I get really yeah really clever with it yeah i say this now before i've done it for 30 days Uh in the next couple of years but like i'm sure by year four and you're just like listen he sits on a shelf in the same place (laughs) he's not going any place yeah he's maybe i'll break his leg (laughs) i got (laughs) enough put him on crutches and be like look what happened to him when he tried to move look what he saw you were doing something bad and he tried to jump down to stop you (laughs) self-harmed himself and he broke his neck now he's in a wheelchair I hope you're happy hope you're now. Happy. No, I just, I, you know what? If you're relying on a goddamn stuffed elf to keep your kids in line, maybe you need to look <laughs> at yourself as a parent. Well, that, I, that, that brings up my next okay. pick. All right. All right. Uh, Which is the Krampus. The Krampus. Richard kind of uh, talked about this or almost got to the Krampus earlier when he was talking about the, the demons that followed uh, Santa Claus around. Yeah. The Krampus is a demon himself this mm-hmm. horned goat sort of creature that yeah uh unlike other like like weird uh german you know uh eastern uh winter demons yeah he's like pals with santa claus oh he is yeah okay. apparently he's the guy that goes around like richard says for that other guy very all of all of like these kind of eastern traditional um or eastern european traditional uh kind of demons mm-hmm. they go around and they're either good to you or they beat you mercilessly yeah. with, a, with a stick yeah and he's one of those that would go around and if you're bad you get visited by krampus but if you're good the next day saint nick is coming yeah. coming around to give yeah. you a gift that's how you know mm-hmm. um i think for the longest time i he seemed like a character that you only discovered because of the internet like you know growing up there was yeah. no, there was no like krampus going up you didn't mm-hmm. he was only like a folklore and like you had to be within the culture. Mm-hmm. And then maybe around like 2000, the 2000s and the internet, like it was like, oh, yeah, you've heard, you've heard about like Krampus, right? And like, no. no it was like, yeah. oh, here's this character that um, seems impossible. Yeah. I had this thought about, too, there was an episode of The Office where uh, Dwight comes in and he's dressed up as like Bershnickel, who's just like another version of Krampus, yeah, who's yeah. like this guy that beats you mercilessly uh-huh. with, a, with a swatch, uh, a switch, uh, a switch, a swatch, a, sw- a switch. Yeah. If he beats you with a swatch, you've been good because you get to wear the swatch. <laughs> you get to wear um, color samples. How many, how many black men are involved in this? Are there six <laughs> just, to eight of them or just one, zero? Just one demon. Just one demon looking dude that's kind of small and just kind of, mm. you know. Hangs. Is it Kane? The demon Kane? <laughs> But like so that'd be scary. So Dwight so Dwight was dressed up as this character Burschnickel. And I thought like, oh, this is such a made up thing for the office. Yeah. Uh, this is just like a really good a really good writing staff coming up with mm-hmm. like but no, I was when I was looking That's up characters, <laughs> it was one of, it's one of these like, traditional like uh German folklore guys uh-huh. as well. Uh-huh. So along with him and the Krampus and um he's just there to kind of make sure you stay good. You know, it's like the two sides of the coin. You know, yeah. uh, St. Nicholas, he gives you the gifts, but if you're a bad kid, you get the, uh, yeah. <laughs> you get taken away by yeah. this demon. We, Jen and I, uh, went to some Krampusspiele, um, Krampus plays at this church in Pasadena, I think two years ago. And it was 
each scenario were was somewhat like a Grimm's fairy tale. It's like Hansel and Gretel, where there's two mm-hmm. babes in the woods who are wandering away from their family, and that's one cardinal sin. But then the Krampus comes out and kind of questions whether they've been good or bad this year, whether their core, their identity is good or bad. And there's some very elaborate, as you can imagine, in L.A., some people who are related to, like, the film or visual effects center created these very elaborate mm. Krampus costumes. And that Krampus mobile, this car <laughs> that was like one of those things that Jay Leno rides around. I was going to say, yeah. Hey, yeah. You want to get any yeah. Krampus mobile no. over here? You're taking it. Uh, Bob's your big boy. I do like that That St. Nicholas and Krampus do like good cop, bad cop. Yeah, they do. Yeah, totally. You know, they They, they get you in a room and they start right. sweating you out. Yeah. It is kind of like Batman and, then, and, and Joker. And Santa comes over. Look, I don't want to be. Look. But this other guy, Krampus, he's. Yeah. You, you don't want to mess with him. You don't want to get on his But that there are actually some legit evil kids and Krampus gets them and St. Nick is like fuck yeah man take care of those <laughs> they're yours brother you got them what do you want me to do my hands are tied <laughs> but imagine the people who go to Burning Man or do Ren Fair. that's those people who like to do the Krampus spiel <laughs> stuff they were definitely <laughs> definitely some interesting cats that brings us to our halftime and at this halftime I want to invite you to give yourself a holiday present uh, you don't even have to buy it for listeners of the Mount Rushmore Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out what they do. And maybe you could check out The Man Who Invented Christmas, how Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol rescued his career and revived our holiday spirits by Les Stanford. That book or 180,000 other titles you can choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle Player, MP3 Player, or Atari 2600, or in television. As Richard mentioned, it is available on television. With Yar's Revenge. Oh, man. Um, I love that game. I was playing... Actually, yeah. you know what? I was playing that game at my, at my sister's house over Thanksgiving. Seriously? Yeah. I mean, she has one of those, like... like Now you can buy, like, the fake Ataris yeah. that have, like, emulator 80 games. Well, yeah. They have, like, 80 games loaded yeah. on it. You buy it at, like, Costco or whatever. It's not very... Well, it, no. That's the best game that they have. Yeah. Yar's Revenge is the one game that you can actually play, and it's, like, oh, playable. Cool. Everything else was trash. Yar's Revenge, the programmer, senior programmer, was, first name was Ray. So, so they, they flipped it. He flipped his name. That's his Easter egg. Uh, to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash Rushmore. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Rushmore for your free audiobook. You know what else is free? Our podcast. And you would want more of free, right? So don't just listen to this episode. Go and download uh, all the past episodes from iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get uh, podcasts. And do us a solid this will be your holiday gift to us is give us a review. It doesn't have to be a glowing doesn't one. It doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't cost you Christmas, anything. Christmas time can be very expensive. This is free this to is us. It's totally free. And also free to you. Yeah, and it helps. And, and you get it's worth every penny that you spend. <laughs> worth every penny, indeed. So, yeah, please go do that, and we'd appreciate it. And we are back. Uh, Richard, you're the little kid who still believes, so you get to go. <laughs> So it's, I, I'm glad that you brought up A Christmas Carol and uh, Dickens and Scrooge, because that's my next choice. Oh, okay. Ebenezer, Scro- Ebenezer Scrooge. Nice. Um, and there's a few things we need to talk to, talk about with Scrooge. Well, first off, I just, I felt like we had to t- choose him, because there's no Christmas tale that is more stock at this point. Yeah, I, I, I think we need to talk about Scrooge, because I think A Christmas Carol is... I don't even want to say cliched. I think it's the most copied and yeah. stock. Oh, sure. 
A very special story. episode of whatever sitcom they reenact. Yeah, if it, yeah, I've got a checklist here. So, are you a sitcom? Check. Are you not very funny? Check. Do you, have, you, do you have a great big fat actor that you can get to dress to play Christmas Bass? <laughs> yeah. Check. Um, let's see. Uh, are you past season eight and you've officially run out of ideas yeah. in season six? Check. 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 Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's so I, I was on the uh, I'm on the uh, drugs. Um, <laughs> What's that? What's that nerd show? What's that nerd show that's so popular? I'm sure they've done Big Bang like, Theory. Big yeah, Bang I'm Theory. sure Big they've Bang. done a hundred percent, hundred percent. That's how they got the, young Sheldon. Sheldon yeah. is like was like, uh, I don't believe in it because you know they're the facts say that blah, 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 yeah. there's there's science behind this and mm-hmm. yeah, I'm looking at this list of adaptations and look, I I, I believe that if you were to just go outside and walk a three-block radius around your house, someone is putting on a production of Scrooge or filming one here in Los Angeles right now. Let's do it, guys. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go for it. <laughs> There's so many goddamn versions of Scrooge. Yeah. Like, and whether it's a straight retelling of Scrooge, mm-hmm. whether it involves a Muppet. Yeah. Or a beloved Disney character. Mr. Magoo. Or, or Mr. Magoo. Yeah. Or I'm sure Tom and Jerry did one for God's sakes. Who the hell knows? Yeah. Or some sort of like, oh, we're going to do a twist on it. Like whether it's Scrooged or... The unauthorized porn parody. Sorry. <laughs> Screwed. <laughs> Screwed. Um, Bugs Bunny's Christmas Carol. There's just so many of these where it's just like... there, there's, There is something about... I'm trying to figure out what, what it is about this story that... So you've proven it, that it's ubiquitous and so you're... You're leaning towards the getting the point as it is, but you're about to say what the compelling nature is. Well, I guess I'm trying. I need your guys' help to figure this out a little it's bit. It's time travel. It's um, a ghost story, right? It's, and it's about redemption. Yeah, I think we are drawn to stories of personal transformation, and a Christmas Carol was one of the f- original montage sequences. We see a person going through this transformation that happens to him overnight, and uh, we as individuals who are drawn to storytelling because it shows people getting better and improving. Um, and we, we don't want to do that ourselves. <laughs> it's such it's such a movie about, not a movie, but it's such a story about self-reflection. And like, I know we live in it like a pretty tense political time. And there's just like half of the country has no sense of self-reflection. Yeah. It's a movie that really speaks to looking at who you are and looking at who you were and looking at who you're going to be and coming back to that and being like, Oh, I can, I'm this awful person, but I can definitely change. Yeah. Things might not have gone the way that they wanted them to. Yeah. And I am who I am now, but the future doesn't have to be what it is. Yeah. I can do this. And it's all through this just lens of just like, yeah, you know, Christmas and the time that Uh like, Oh, Oh yeah, you can do this right now. And you know, uh, it's redemption and restoration. Cause like Scrooge, is a sinner and has done horrible things and he's redeemed because he later shows kindness mm-hmm. and it's also restoration because Scrooge becomes a child again at the end and dances around as a nightgown and becomes this youthful exuberant person who we saw as a kid before his crashing disappointment <laughs> my my dad every year watches the 1951 Alistair Sim. Yeah. Everyone's got a favorite one. Scrooge. Like he like he has to watch it every year. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, you know, he's born in 1946, so he was like 5 years old when it came out. So it's amazing to think of something that has such an impact on him yeah. since when, you know, for the past 65 years 
or however mm-hmm. long it's been to be like it's you know this is the thing that he definitely has to do yeah. and loves doing i have something similar but for me it's the episode of the real ghostbusters <laughs> where they go back to victorian england and wind up accidentally busting the three ghosts of christmas past present uh-huh. and future then yeah. they have to figure out how to how to still get Scrooge to see the light. I love that. It it's, involves Slimer. It's a very... That's a real episode, by the way. I didn't I, just pull that out. Really I believe you. It sounds of, like actually a really good story. Some <laughs> of the other ones that, that that we've had is we had Scrooge, which of course was the uh, Bill Murray version of it. Love that one. Um, we had Martin, where Martin was a black Scrooge, I guess. I don't never watched that. Sorry. Um, you had, let's see, you had a Divas Christmas Carol. Which is a Vanessa Williams as yeah. a, a, a diva from a uh, like a singing group. Mm-hmm. You had a Carol Christmas with an arrogant TV star played by Tori Spelling. You had let's see what else do we have here? Oh, an American Carol, which is the really bad Zucker Abrams Zucker, like when they became conservatives oh. and like hired like uh, Chris Farley's brother. Mm. Mm. To basically play Mar- uh, Michael Moore mm-hmm. in seven years, the Trump Christmas Carol is going to be yeah. amazing. Lit. There's, I'm, I'm... There's, we got a zombie. We got a zombie Scrooge. Mm. I've got a Klingon Christmas Carol. <laughs> I've got a you know, the Doctor Who Christmas nice. Carol. Uh, Batman Noel. There's a Batman version of oh. a, uh, Christmas Carol. So it's just something that seems. Like... I hope that Batman gets uh, realizes that he's done nothing wrong. And he's going to proceed this way forever. <laughs> Self righteous vigilante. Yeah, just is completely without. Sense. I still wish my parents were dead so I can still crush the Joker's face. And it, it ends with him trapped inside the the uh, casket, and he just mm-hmm. finds a way to get out. <laughs> of course, he gets out. He's fucking Batman. Yeah. So it's screw Scroo- you, casket. Scrooge's ubiquity. Um... It, it 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 just play like you can take, and I think part of the reason why it gets reused so many times is that it. You can take existing characters and just sort of retrofit them to whatever me- means or needs that you need them to be yeah. to make that story work. One last thing about Scrooge, and I'm going to ask you guys this, because I KPCC, when the off-ramp show was on the air, they did a thing about this. Is Scrooge kind of anti-Semitic, the story? Because hmm, yeah. you're talking about like a, a skinflint, like super tight, you know, old man. Mm-hmm. Who is only redeemed because then he learns to believe in Christmas, so, i.e., the Christian tradition. From what I know, and I think this is what the man who invented Christmas is about, is at that time in industrialized England, nobody was Christian. Nobody believed in Christmas, and even though a Christmas Carol portrays these two families, the Cratchits and the Fezziwigs, as celebrating Christmas, even though they are one is poor and the other is wealthy, they each keep the warmth of Christmas in their hearts. There was nobody like that in England, but there were in German countries where Dickens had visited. Okay. And so here was a nation that had turned itself into an industrial power at the cost of every part of their social <laughs> core. Right. So everybody was was working, and the, there was just, just the social core of this uh, country had been damaged, and children were working in factories and whatever. And so it wasn't, in the reality... Scrooge was being shown the Fezziwigs and the Cratchits by this ghost and saying, this is how you should be. Right. Those people weren't even there. Dickens was saying to everybody in England, this is how it is in, how everyone in, in, German, in Germany. <laughs> this is how we should be in England. And this is better than just pursuing commerce. And So and, you're saying but, it's better to be a Christian than a Jew is what I'm getting out of this? Do we say Jesus? Is there Jesus in... I don't know. I, I realize I it's think Rich, Christmas. I think it's Richard's riding this pretty hard. Well, no. I this Like I said, this came up on off-ramp. This is something that... And, yeah. and there is a streak of anti-Semitism in Dickens' work. 
Was, I mean, Fagin is sure. basically the character caricature. I I wouldn't. I mean, I I'm not. I'm, I. I have never thought about it that way, and I mm-hmm. wouldn't put it. Now past. you will, and now unfortunately you've tainted oh, it. Oh, oh, so so a guy like Marley was more like Shylock from um, yeah. Shakespeare. He was a, he was a money lender and a money grubber, and yeah, and so stuff. and so was Scrooge. I mean, yeah. Scrooge was that the you know when he, the way he's described is like kind of this hunched, like very like all he cares about is money. Oh, okay, and then it requires his redemption to like adopt quote unquote Christian values. Ah, uh, okay. There's a um, there's a great uh. Have you seen a Black Adder Christmas Carol? Yes, it's perfect. Uh, basically, uh, the Black Adder in that is it's like Dickensian, and uh, he's this uh, shop owner who is so kind of heart. He gives out uh, presents to everyone, and uh, you know, just uh, he's very welcoming to all the people that visit his shop. And uh, by the end of it, he gets turned upside down. And he turns into this miserly yeah. thing and re- re- resolves to be just horrible to everyone and to take all the money. And uh, it's just a nice flip on yeah. Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah. I, how many was it? Ebenezer Blackadder, I think they call him. It's how many, so dumb. When, when, was this late 19th century? I forget when Christmas Carol was. Uh, I'm going to look that up real quick. It's 1843. Oh, okay. So like 200 years earlier, Shakespeare had started to really create these characters who we understood their psychology. And here is one of these stories that has a flashback to the moment where Scrooge became his adult self was when he had this, the misunderstood and spurred affections of Belle or I forget the, the little girl that he's in love with. Right. So I think that's a fascinating thing where we show what turned him down to the path of just loving money versus loving people. And that's that's I think an interesting component of this story that mm-hmm. that he has a psychological reality that we are shown, and that every every um, skinflint um, perhaps wasn't always in love with money, and this is the moment that turned him towards that. Hmm. And that's also, his creation myth, like a superhero movie. Also, there's the Thomas the Tank Engine Scrooge. <laughs> they want it being a two part episode, which makes me wonder why did you need two parts of Thomas the Tank Engine to tell the story? Was it that like complex? Um, the goose is the one as big as me. Yes, boy. Is it still available? Okay. I'm just going to cook you up and eat you instead. <laughs> Deal with that, boy. Uh, Michael, what's your third? Uh, my third choice is... Scrooge. <laughs> the leg lamp. The major prize. Oh, awesome. From A Christmas Story. Is that a character? We're calling that an icon. icon. It's an icon. Yeah. It's an, if it's an, it's it's an ornament hanging on people's trees. and. A... Oh. If it only said characters in the description, I would have just chosen mm-hmm. a character. But okay. Jeff, uh, you know, he unspooled his line <laughs> a little more. He gave you the gave you, you the go. out. Uh, designed by Ruben Fried, the production designer. Oh, um, oh, Ruben Fried, famous leg lamp production oh. designer. Oh, okay. Uh, this is bass player for Thin Lizzy <laughs> and production designer. Uh, this is from the 1983 uh, movie A Christmas Story, mm-hmm. which. Uh, has become a mainstay in our homes. It's yeah. forced upon you by TBS and plays for 24 hours. Uh, I love the lamp as an icon of like an unknown want. Like uh, throughout the movie, um, uh, what's what's the boy's name? Um, Ralphie. Ralphie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wants this red rider BB gun. Uh. He wants this thing like nothing else, asks everyone for it. But when the old man gets this thing, this random prize that you assume yeah. from some sort of drawing that he entered, 
a major prize. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he covets this thing. He loves this thing more than anything. He didn't know he wanted it, but he gets it. And it's just like this, it's this thing in his world that is, as like, has fixed him. Yeah. And of course it's the thing that his, his wife hates cause it's gaudy and yeah. awful. Yeah. But it's just this great iconic thing from this now kind of cherished and beloved Christmas yeah. movie. Yeah. That, uh, you know, you see, uh, Everywhere, mm-hmm. like eventually, when everything was turned into a toy, or yeah, uh, in you know, kind of two thousand, let's say two thousand five was when they realized, oh, we can just take everything that's ever been put on yeah. TV and make it into a Funko. Yeah, there's or this whatever. place called China that'll do whatever we want <laughs> <laughs> cheaply. Uh, this lamp and this thing became like such a fond reminder of this movie, which is yeah. in itself of just a great fond reminder of yeah. kind of Christmas. I think that most nostalgia. I think there's a lot of Christmas that is about um, your past and nostalgia for it. And Christmas is like summer camp in that you forget the bad ones and you remember the good ones. And it's often portrayed in the sunny, this warm glow of perfection. That movie had the most imperfect people <laughs> celebrating the most imperfect Christmas. They weren't, they were middle to lower class. They had a car that wouldn't start and a furnace that wouldn't work. And, and a, a, a dad who cursed up a storm and had tawdry taste. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and a mom who was beautiful, but she was always in her bathrobe. She wasn't June Cleaver, so that's one thing I think that is the setting for the jewel of that lamp because it just had this wonderful imperfection and goofiness that uh, that made and and the ridiculousness of that prop—a mannequin leg with a stocking, yeah, <laughs> and a so, heel. So <laughs> it's delightful and awful at the same time. Yeah, and. and you know, this it might have been like a family that had some sort of class, but all of that like falls away. He might probably some he's probably very conservative in yeah. his thinking, but you know, he won this thing. Yeah. And it's now it's gonna go in the, the, the uh, in the main room and shine out to the street and he's so proud of it. And just that moment when everyone else is standing out and looking at it and they're like, What is yeah. that? He's like What do you mean what is that? It's a major award. Oh, fragile. <laughs> fragile. It could be a, Darren McGavern plays could, it so well. Could, could be a bowling alley. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is the best line. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that is the best line maybe yeah. of the entire movie. Who knows what? It's, I heard someone want a bowl. It could be a bowling how could, alley. How could they ship you a bowling alley? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Could, could they could send the deed. <laughs> all right, Ricardo. Uh, okay, we're going to talk about the greatest Christmas movie of all time now. Die Hard. Okay. okay. All right. And this has gained so much more um, I think notoriety. That, I think that there is a steadfastness and uh i i think i love this movie as a great action movie that uh-huh. takes place at christmas and i the no. the argument I, that I, it I could it coming. could not be yeah this is this is the argument that the other side takes which is oh it's obviously the best christmas movie it's obviously a christmas yeah. movie because you could you could have written a whole number of other situations that could have gotten him out to nakatomi plaza it didn't have to be christmas Arbor it Day. just happened to be christmas uh uh-huh. It okay. Was written, okay. It was so, as so we're talking about John McClane. So let's just, let's get that out of the way, sure. right? Um, there's a ton of Christmas references in there. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, not only is it now I have a machine gun, ho ho ho. Um, does not does not prove or disprove anything. You know, it, you know Hans, it, it, it's Christmas, Theo. It's the time of miracles. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a night they, they reference the night before Christmas. Um, and what is what? Who is John McClane if not someone who is bringing a gift to the people in Nakatomi Plaza? The gift yeah. of freedom. 
Yeah. Is there any gift that could be more precious than that, Michael? Uh, the hoverboards not... are pretty good. Yeah. So do they catch fire, though? That's the those problem. Gift of freedom. You could wear that. You could ride one of those Just around. Like clean towels or Furbies. Sheets. We yeah. did a whole episode. Yeah. About Christmas or toys. Or gift card for freedom. Gift if you card. Free, you can get it where freedom or Visa. You could buy freedom. Freedom fries, or whatever else you there. want. Yeah. yeah. What makes it? And 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 how does and what is he doing? He's literally. They don't, maybe they don't have a chimney in Nakatomi Plaza. They have uh, HVAC vents. He's crawling around up there. That's as close as we're going to get to a chimney. He's crawling around mm-hmm. in the in the the heating ducts and systems. He's basically Santa. Yeah, is what he is, and he's bringing you the gift of freedom. Okay, and I'm with you. I love this movie. It's my favorite action. It's incredible movie of all time, probably full stop. Yeah, and it is on the list of movies that we watch every Christmas. I would say Alan Rickman's character does have a little bit of an Alistair Sims kind of sneer to him. Right, or a Grinch-like quality the, the, to him. The original last name is Krampus. Is that, oh, oh bomb, there we bomb go. Drop. Uh-oh. Bomb dropped. Proved my point wrong, apparently. And 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 also John McClane is, it's, isn't one of the classic Christmassy type stories that it's, the dad or the parents or somebody who is just trying to get home to their kids. The strange Trying to get their re- family yeah. together yeah. there for the holidays. And that's really what John McClane is trying to do. Mm-hmm. And there's a pregnant lady there. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> oh there is a pregnant lady there. Look at the list of, <laughs> of how, how people who defend this movie as like the best Christmas movie of all time have, a to, pregnant have, lady? To, have to write down and be like all these, all these unique uh-huh. coincidences. If this happened, if this took place during his daughter's birthday, let's say that he had been called out because he hasn't seen his family in forever and it was his daughter's birthday and yeah. it was also taking place during this major mate this major like acquisition and that's why this party is this movie is exactly the same okay. i don't think it is i don't think it works as it well it doesn't it doesn't have a guy in a ho 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 now i have a machine gun there, okay the, the, therefore it does therefore it doesn't work as well michael <laughs> i well, think i think you just played yourself the many sequels have copied the same format as the original. Yeah, Die Hard 2 is also six takes place over. during Easter. Die Hard 2 was not Easter. Die Hard 3 takes place during, I think, Arbor Day. What's day. the Leprechaun Day, that one? Yeah, Arbor Day. Yeah. I think it's Arbor Day. Okay. I think John McClane is just trying, to, just trying to get, a, just trying to save a tree. Is Yakatomi Plaza... Nakatomi. Um, Nakatomi. Yakatomi Yakatori. is uh, was a great comedian. And Yakatori <laughs> Plaza is just where they serve very delicious, you know, Grilled chicken and stuff. Um, Sakatomi Plaza, where Aretha Franklin just says that over and over again. <laughs> you everyone should pay your respects. To and also, Plaza. also, also the ghost of uh, Richard Nixon. Yeah. Sakatomi. Sakatomi. Okay. Uh, oh, so, so I don't know. I don't know. We can't. We can have this argument back and forth. I, I, I feel very strongly it is a Christmas movie that that you don't have to really go that far to to get the traditional Christmas themes. I think you said- from Christmas. In what is happening in the story, and it snows in the end. There you go. I think you want to say traditional. Like I, McLean is kind of in pursuit of the life that he had, or seems a person who has not moved on from that. And so it seems like what he's trying to do is kind of reclaim some of the tradition that he had or the life that he had before. So that that's in that a lot of us are trying to get home for the holidays. That seems like what he's really trying to do. So yeah, I buy that. I mean, I look, I. People who don't think it's a Christmas movie, I hear you, but you're wrong. Okay. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay, okay. Not the way that works, but... Yeah. You know what I would also say? Uh, Scrooge, duh, the Bill Murray film. Yeah. 
is really pretty much the same film as Groundhog Day. It's their similarities. Yeah, yeah you can see those. That's another one of the the movies that we watch every Christmas are Christmas Story, obviously, mm-hmm. Scrooged. Um, it's part of the new tax plan now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just passed. You have to watch a Christmas. Is that story. written in there? For yeah, the, by oh, law. Yeah. Right, um, in, right. Emmanuel on Taboo Island. Yeah, uh, Die Hard, and yeah. then uh, the Ref. The Ref. With, I've uh, with, never uh, seen that. With uh, with Dennis Leary. We'll have to add that. Oh, check that out this year. Except it's, it's got one. Kevin Spacey in it, so you can't watch it. Oh now. shit! So sorry. Okay. Okay. Am I correct that this is my last closing? One. Closing arguments have not been made because Michael's going to give his last. My last one. Is the chromass broken down tree from a Charlie Brown Christmas? Oh, oh boy, sad. Uh, I'm getting a little choked up here already, Michael. Uh, you mentioned we were talking about how the over commercialization of Christmas uh, is kind of dominates everything. Yeah, this movie speaks to it directly. Yeah, where Charlie Brown sees the beauty in the only real tree in like a fake used tree or a fake uh, yeah. Christmas tree lot. He sees, he's like, yeah, just because it's, you know, doesn't have any, you know, pine needles yeah. on it. And just because it's kind of shabby doesn't mean that it's not a Christmas tree and doesn't mean that it doesn't represent something special. Yeah. Of course, he brings it back to his school mm-hmm. and is immediately torn apart by his awful friends. Yeah. Who hate him, probably. I mean, they hate Charlie Brown, yeah. right? They don't mm-hmm. like him in any way. He's mm-hmm. just the kid that has a cool dog. Yeah. I imagine Charlie Brown smells like tuna or there's something weird about him. Mm. Yeah. Um, but he sees like the beauty in it and he, mm-hmm. you know, does it. <laughs> he, he does. Take he, a second for that to hit me, Jeff. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> he does his best to uh, dress it up using yeah. like an ornament. But of course, you know, I, I think that one of the most iconic things about that movie is the image of the single bulb holding this tree over. Yeah. And it's just so sad and pathetic, mm-hmm. and he tries so hard to gussy it up, and he just, he just can't. He's just he's he's yeah. trying to get through to all of his his friends, you know, the mm-hmm. true meaning of Christmas. And there's the great um, what Linus, yeah, kind of soliloquy, yeah, lights please, uh-huh. and then, yeah, and you know, eventually through, eventually the kids do come around, and they mm-hmm. are able to give something to it and put some effort into it and see the the specialness of this tree. Of course, they, they kind of like just put a bunch of makeup on it. Too. Yeah. They kind of just change it from what it is into something a little bit more standard. But mm-hmm. uh, that movie and just that, just the scene and the, the image of this one kid trying to, to rally against all that is commercial about Christmas. Yeah. And get back to a, a truer meaning of it. I think is pretty, um, yeah, pretty important. It's an interesting movie to watch with the kids being an atheist. Mm. And then we get to the, uh, yeah, the lights, please. Mm-hmm. And, and and Linus giving the whole like uh, by Gospel biblical of Luke, yeah. It's when I watch that, it's like, huh. I understand the point behind it. I understand. Mm-hmm. I respect it, and I'm, I'm not like angry about it. But it's kind of weird to watch it like with your kids when you. It's it, it might as well be like something from the Quran or something for my kids yeah. to watch it. Yeah, like it's just something they. I, Every year for the first few years, like Vivian watch, I was like, mm-hmm. what's he talking about? It and could be we... Shakespeare or Chaucer. It could be something. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it, not that it wasn't interesting or important or vital or beautiful or anything mm-hmm. like that. It was just something that like my family has no connection to that part of it. Yeah. And, and just there's no way in hell you could have gotten a, that would have passed muster today. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That was uh, for me. The, the tree is the figure of the Christ child as Linus 
says in his monologue. Because like at the end, he says, and this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. The austerity that is the core of our um, our family celebrations should be, should have the simplicity on austerity, not be about the exchange of of goods and, <laughs> and value and, and all these other trappings. Because a Charlie yeah. Brown Christmas is as much as anything else about the commercialization of Christmas. Yeah. Which is ironic since the Charlie Brown Christmas special has probably made about a billion dollars. One billion dollars. For, yeah. Uh, yeah. for Charles Schultz yeah. over the last 50 years yeah. and his estate and whatever. The one thing always threw me off about that, because Charlie Brown is kind of in, in the comics noted sad sack whose intentions are usually pretty good. In this special, he's the director of the play and he's a fucking asshole. Yeah. Like he's shouting directions. Well, because he lets the... it get to his head. Yeah. He it's lets... like he has a little bit of power. Yeah. And he let it get to his head. Uh-huh. This is this is how sexual harassment happens in Hollywood. <laughs> he's the Harvey Weinstein of this special. But I, I feel like he gets everything he gets, he deserves absolutely. And it reveals his tenuous character that makes makes like maybe a lot of Charlie Brown's, uh, maybe the cloud. that It's kind him. of a callback to the original like 50s Charlie Brown where the kids were a lot meaner, and Charlie uh, Brown was kind of a clod. Okay. Um, so it feels like a little bit of a callback to uh, that. Um, I also just want to call out the... Uh, my, my favorite is, is just Lucy talking about how it's all a, a big racket controlled, yeah. by, yeah. controlled by an Eastern syndicate. Yeah, this is yeah. perhaps my favorite line of anything that happens in any Christmas pop culture thing ever. Mm-hmm. Your surrogate is definitely Lucy. Yeah, I am Lucy. <laughs> you're trying. You're here trying to call out all the bullshit in the world. Uh-huh. Last episodes we talked about uh, imposters, possibly interested in grifting people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll wear that. I'll wear that. No, 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 no problems there. Uh, Doctor is in. That's a fun pick, and that uh, there's so much I love. Um, notwithstanding the tree, notwithstanding about the special, just one of the first times children actors were used as in voices in an animation, hmm. and it wasn't. You know, June Foray or or yeah, yeah. Dawes Butler, these adult actors playing children. Actual children were voicing children, and I think even at that time, the mention of religious uh, uh, a religious verse and using children those were a couple elements that made people think this was a little bit um, transgressive. CBS yeah. freaked out about the uh, about the uh, biblical verse, and they yeah. wanted it taken out. And yeah. Maybe the sponsor did too, and, and Charlie and uh, Charles Schultz like put his foot down. It was like, no, we're going to leave this in here, and if you don't like it, just yeah, you cannot run it. I think they even figured economically it was impossible to change it. Like we can't, we can't. It's not like they had South Park digital animation. Yeah. Back then. <laughs> it took like six months to do this thing. Now you want to exercise like five minutes? Yeah, from it? we can't do that a week before air. So when I do like when they redid the movie. They reanimated it and had like a rap at the end. Yeah, that was so when cool. Line, when Linus and uh, Schroeder <laughs> were just. You're really you're really itching to do your Rushmore of of, <laughs> of uh, movies that have a rap that explain the movie, right? Uh, Men in Black, <laughs> Adam's Family, Adam's Family, Values, right? Uh, the first one was the first one or the second one? That the, the first one was done by Hammer. Was there? There's MC one. Hammer. The second one wasn't there? Uh, there might have been. Who knows? Uh, uh, Will Smith's um, Wild Wild West. Yeah. A lot of these feature Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, LL Cool J. Uh, uh, in was it the shark movie? My yeah. Uh, Deep Blue or whatever it was called. It was called, uh, yeah, My Hand is Like a Shark's Fin. It was the song. (laughs) These are the things that I just keep in my head. Like, this is is how Mount Rushmore started. Right, pretty much. We're at the end of, like, season two coming up. And these are the things that are just, like, I just have a list of four or five things in my head that is just, like, all right, if if I ever need to pull this out, (laughs) I I got them. And then uh, we can go from there. A list in search of... (laughs) 
in search of a theme. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Oh, guys, I just want to say happy holidays to both of you. Oh, oh thank you, Jennifer. Yeah, happy holidays. I'm about to give one of you a present. Oh, my. Okay. I get ready to unwrap some points. Um, so one of the um, best things I've loved about this was the depiction of Yukon Cornelius. <laughs> Yukon Cornelius. As this kind of millennial urban hipster, you know, with the beard and... Iron and wine, yeah. basically. Yeah, totally iron and wine. Raymond Lamontagne kind of does that feel. <laughs> um, he does look like he does like some artisanal cheeses or something. Yeah, like he's in Portland. Like he runs like a um, a, a, a unicycle repair shop or something like that. Or he, he, he goes to Timbers games on the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He'll tighten the, your... your uh, um, your uh, suspenders, the straps on your braces. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a point for that. Um, and man, um, leg lamp kind of love that one. Uh, it the term unknown want I thought was really cool because it does reveal uh, Ralphie's obsession is very focused and laser sighted on this thing. And here's his father who, uh, due to his role as provider for this family, no longer gets to have any wants anymore. <laughs> the, best, <laughs> the best thing is that, like, the gift that he does get is a bowling ball that his wife just drops, like, oh. right into his crotch at the end. And yeah. it's wrapped like a bowling ball. He never asked for a bowling ball. He's just like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, so it's perfect, honey. Really? Yeah, yeah. This tells a lot about, uh, I think, your new status as father, <laughs> um, Michael, because now you realize that you're... Your wishes have been put to the side. You are a service uh, vehicle for driving your child off into the future. Okay, and I also dug the Charlie Brown Christmas. Um, that was really compelling to me, the tr- specifically the tree. And what the fuck, it's Christmas. Uh, die Hard. So we go out of this episode. Thank you. It's yeah. a Christmas movie. Thank a, you. And even two and two. And uh, we thank you, uh, folks. It has been our gift, of course, and our uh, privilege to always do this podcast and happy holidays uh, I've been Jeff I'm Richard I'm Michael 